What do young men need to find purpose in today's world? Today, I have Josh Hatcher on from manlyhood.com to discuss that question in particular. Why, how can young men find purpose in a world that seems very hostile to men and to masculinity and to the virtueliness and what go along with it, to courage and boldness and all of those things. They want us to be timid and they, all of these sort of effeminate or feminine virtues. Uh, I guess I should say feminine, feminine virtues and effeminate ways of being. And Josh Hatcher does a great job of coaching men on how to really lean into who we are as men and not do it in a destructive or kind of annoying or toxic masculine way as the culture is very apt to call it, but really talk about it in a way that you are training men to be good men. And that's what he does. He, and honestly, is a great man himself and a good husband and father. And so it's good to discuss that. We also dive into, you know, reminding men that they are not only relevant, but needed, you know, in our culture, that that's a huge thing that's missing out of so many people and uh, in so many people's lives today is good men and good manly role models. And we discuss a lot as well on the culture and how it's influencing the way we look at these problems and a lot of the issues that are confronting us today. And then lastly, we dive into his book, Reignite, which you can find on manlyhood.com slash reignite. And we dive into a little bit about what he talks about there. So lots of great stuff in this episode. And I really think there's a lot to be learned from Josh and what he's doing at manlyhood.com. So definitely dive in and check it out. But before I hop over to the interview, I just want to remind you to go to conversationforgeneration.com slash subscribe to get access for just $5 a month to the courses that I'm rolling out, to premium other premium content, the Discord community, and a copy of my book sent to you as well. So definitely do that for 5 bucks a month. It supports my work and gets those uh, and you get those perks and benefits as well. And then lastly, and then also you can be, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, to YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening to this and leave a good rating and review or comment on YouTube. Just that's a 10 second way that's super free and easy to support the work that I'm doing and help the algorithms know to boost my podcast and get this in front of more people. If you're enjoying this, if you think this is good stuff, take the th- few seconds that it takes to just leave a good rating and review and I really appreciate that for everyone who's doing that out there. So thank you for that. Seen some rolling in, so thank you. And lastly, if you are interested in getting my email newsletter on Fridays, some of my thoughts and things that I'm thinking about and listening to, watching, reading, etc. It's just my weekly top discussions. Just sign up at conversationbygeneration.com slash newsletter. And that's it for my announcements. Let's hop on over to my interview with Josh. And so today I'm joined by Josh Hatcher from manlyhood.com. Thanks, Josh, for joining me today on the Conversation for Our Generation. Awesome. I'm really glad to be here. Excited to talk with you and kind of get to see what you're doing. And it's been kind of neat following you and your conversations that you've been having. It's neat stuff. So kind of honored to be a part of it. Thanks. I appreciate it. And yeah, I came across your work on uh, the Battle Masculinity podcast when they talked to you a while back. And I know we've had some scheduling things trying to get this to uh, happen with families and everything. I totally understand, but I'm excited to be able to talk to you. And for those who aren't familiar with you and what you're doing, 
why don't you just give them a brief overview of who you are and what you're up to at manlyhood.com? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, manlyhood started, I'm going to say probably about eight years ago this spring. And it was, uh, it might've been nine years ago, to be honest with you. I think I lost a year in there with COVID. I think just everybody lost a year with COVID. Mm-hmm. It's like, the other day I was thinking, man, this has been a long winter. And then I realized there's been two winters and there was like a whole year in the middle. There was like a spring and a summer. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about those. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I think it's been eight or nine years since I started Manly Hunt. I guess I'm going to have to get online and look that up again. But um, it really started for me. Um, you know, I, I was a youth leader for a long time uh, in a... Uh, an Alliance church, Christian missionary and Alliance church. And, um, then I did it in a free Methodist church for a long time. And, uh, throughout that process, I was introduced to like promise keepers and, you know, there's lots of, um, there's no shortage of Christian evangelical programs for men out there. Although now they're starting to dry up. So there's not a whole lot of that now, but at that time, back in the late nineties, at the turn of the century, which sounds makes me sound so old. <laughs> um, at, at the turn of the century, there was all kinds of stuff for men. And there was a, a big kind of resurgence in, in the concept that, Hey, we need to really uh, establish what it means to be a man, especially a Christian man. And so for me, that, that was embedded in my heart early on, but I'm also the kind of guy that for whatever reason, I have a lot of relationships with a lot of people that don't identify as Christian And I still think that those conversations are valid. I think that we can have those conversations about masculinity, about manhood, about being a good father, being a good husband and being a leader in your community and all the things that I was hearing about in promise keepers and all these other places. Uh, But there are other men that need to hear them too. And I have found that when you can have those conversations and you can invite Christian men and non-Christian men to those conversations, um, we all kind of benefit, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of benefit from having those conversations in that place. So that's kind of where manlyhood was born. And, uh, it started as a blog because, you know, I have a background in graphic design and web design and I'm a writer. Those are the things I like to do. And so it just kind of started. I didn't know exactly where it was going to be. And it kind of, um, it's kind of, kind of grown and, and built from there. And, um, you know, we've done some men's events over the years. Again, COVID threw us for a loop, which kind of took some fun out of it, I think. But mm-hmm. hoping we can get that stuff started back up again. Um, you know, and there's been some really neat encounters when you get some guys around a campfire or, you know, you get some guys doing some ridiculous wild prank that they've got to do to earn points for their team. You know, I, I <laughs> one of the, the events that we did with this crazy like marathon of stunts that they had to do. Uh, and you know, the, these teams get this card and I'm looking at this card and I'm thinking, man, I should have thought this out better. The team is going to get so many points if, uh, for every member of their team that can do 10 pushups. And I look and I realize like half of these guys are over 60 and several of them are almost in their seventies. And I look and the old guys are the first ones on the ground doing pushups. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill them. They're going to die here in this camp in the woods and it's going to be all my fault <laughs> um but you know I, I know that's kind of all over the place but i just say that to say that you know i i think that there's just something happens awesome when you get men together and you spend time together and you have fun i 
you know, I, I've always wanted Manlyhood to not just be a, a blog on the internet where I rant and rave and complain about stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of cool to see things happen in real life too. So that's been mm-hmm. kind of fun. Yep. That's definitely something that for me uh, this year, as things clear up, I want to try to do is figure out how to actually get people together physically if possible and have some, find a way to do some programming and conversations. Cause I think that that really helps. And I found that for me, you know, I was, so I'm actually about to turn 26 And so coming up, I just, I feel like all the programs that we had were not geared towards what boys wanted to do. Everything that we seemed to have, it was like, if a boy did it, it was just kind of because it was gender neutral almost. It wasn't for boys or girls, but even scouts was just kind of neutered in a way before they made it to just the scouts and not the boy scouts anymore. Uh, I, I think that it's good to, address and and do events that are for men in a way that appeals to men particularly because we are different than women as much as our culture would like to say that that's not the case i I think that that's definitely a good idea uh, to find a way to bring men together in a way that appeals to men and not just kind of the general public or this sort of feminized version of what we think a man should want yeah, and, it, and to say that we're different is not wrong. It's not bad. I think our culture is trying to hammer this idea that it's wrong to say that men and women are different. And it's not. It's, it's right to say that we're different and that we have different needs. I mean, that's right. That's good. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I've been in a lot of, like, small group settings, whether they're Bible studies or even just guys getting together and hanging out. And I'm going to tell you, if a guy's got a struggle or an issue in his life, he's not going to open up and share it in front of a mixed group of people. Or if he does, it completely changes that conversation and that relationship. And uh, I, I know that, you know, I had a group of guys where we met every week and we went through the book um, Mansfield's book of manly men. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen Mansfield, but it's an Mm -hmm. amazing book. You need to check it out. Um, So we met all winter long, like every Wednesday night at a tattoo parlor and, uh, it was awesome That's and awesome. Uh, we met at this tattoo parlor and just went through the book and i swear we probably only four of us even read the chapters the rest of us just sat there and talked and ate pizza and goofed off and you know we're sitting there and all of a sudden we hear this fire alarm in the door at the chinese restaurant next door so one of our guys leaves and goes over and helps them sort it out because they couldn't get it turned off and she comes back with a big plate of chinese food for us and you know and one of the guys gets a tattoo and you <laughs> know his tongue pierced in the middle of our group and, um, you know, but just that camaraderie, you know, and, and in the middle of that, these guys opened up and were real and shared about some real struggles that they were having. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it was financial trouble or issues in their marriage or, you know, uh, struggles with looking at porn on the Internet or even some deeper stuff that I don't even feel comfortable talking about mistakes from their past they made and they're trying to be a new person and don't want to go down that route anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the process of that, you know, it's a safe place. And I know we hate talking about that, right? Because we're like manly men and we like to make fun of people for having safe space, right? You know, you don't need safe space. Yeah, we do. Everybody needs safe space. It's just the honest truth. And it, we need to stop making it feel like, you know, like it's a pansy thing. Do you need a safe place that you can talk about stuff? It's just honestly true. We do need that. And, you know, you got to have those kinds of relationships where you can feel safe enough to share your darkness with Mm -hmm. some brothers who are willing to fight it out for you, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Yeah. I, I worked retreats for my high school all the way, like as a senior. And then even in college, I would go back and work them. And I found that there's a big difference when I would work like the junior men's overnight, where it was just all guys versus our senior retreats are sort of guys and girls. Um, and, and despite that, you know, senior retreat, they would be able to share and people could open up because you kind of work all week on bringing people into it. But the energy was definitely very different. And even on the junior men's overnights, you kind of get guys into it very quickly because they're there with their bros. And, and it's also very different. I assume from the, like I would talk to the girls who would work the like junior women's overnight and they're like, yeah, we sat and we, you know, we had some snacks and talked and I'm like, really? Because I'm pretty sure we like the guys that I was watching were sneaking out and playing like tackle football outside and yelling. And, you know, it's like, this was very different. <laughs> like when you separate them out, you can definitely see the differences in how or, men or they were flirting, flirting with the girls the whole time. I mean, I, yeah, that well, there weren't any girls on the who needs, ends. who needs tackle football yeah. when there's girls in the room. I mean, that was me when I was in junior high and, yeah. and high school, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and honestly, the, the same is true. You know, if you talk about that with our youth and our young people, we desperately need that safety and you know what and we i think we also need some mixed gender spaces too because mm -hmm. it is important for men to learn young men how to learn how to treat ladies you know what i mean and yeah. how to behave in those kinds of settings but manhood is like covid you know you don't you don't just get it automatically you catch it from being around other people who have it mm -hmm. you get infected with it and only covid's bad and um <laughs> <laughs> yeah and manhood is good yeah. so you want to get infected with it and you you get it by being around it and by learning from others so mm -hmm. you know I, I think that's why it's important yep it, i i agree 100 percent. and it i think that kind of takes us into um you know our first topic of kind of a man understanding his purpose because i think that one thing that you have to recognize as a man is um, as a man is you have to find you have to find your purpose. So how do you go about doing that? But who do you look to? Because I think that that's the big question right now is it seems like our culture holds up very bad images of what a man is in every aspect. So you look up to the rappers and the people who are talking about the wrong types of things in high school, I think a lot of the time. So how do you go about, how does a young man, you know, my age or younger go about finding purpose and who are some of the people that you should look to? If you don't, and especially if you don't have those role models in your life, like some people are lucky to have. I think it starts with you first understanding and identifying your purpose. I think that um, like the who you look to is the next question. It's like a later part of the question. And yes, it, they kind of go hand in hand because you do have to learn from others and you have to kind of see what you want to be, you know, mm -hmm. but um, your purpose is really understand it, it's very closely tied with your identity with who you are uh but it's why you exist why are you on this planet and you know it is a question that has plagued the universe forever and you know i think anybody who would identify as a christian i think should have a clearer answer to that question than mm -hmm. someone who might not identify as a christian i think that those answers should come a little bit clearer for those who have that um you know, I, th I think religion exists to answer some of those questions. Um, I, I think that's why we ask those questions. I think that's why we're driven to the spiritual, because we know 
that we're made for more. I mean, even, you know, Carl Sagan, who was an avowed atheist, almost agnostic, but mostly atheist, you know, who worshipped at the altar of science, talked about the cosmos almost in deified tones because, uh, you know, and, and talked about that quest for purpose that we all have. I mean, he, he answers it differently than we do, but it reflects what's in all of us is that we all want to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking the time to identify it is important and understanding what it means, because a lot of times I'll talk with a lot of guys working through this. Um, and, and we'll talk about what how purpose, your purpose, what is it? And we'll start working through that and they'll say, well, they'll, they'll do this backwards by they'll start saying, well, what I love to do or what I want to do. And they'll, they'll make that a matter of identity. So let's say that you're a really good runner and you love to run and then you make your purpose. I want to be the world's fastest runner. That's my purpose. I'm going to be the best runner. And then you're in a horrific accident and your leg is cut off. Now you have no purpose, right? Your purpose is gone. And it's important to understand that your purpose is the reason that you exist is like eternal. It's always been like it was there before you were here and it's there after it's the reason why it's not the new reason why it's the reason why, and you may get it and you might not always get it and that's okay. But as you define it for yourself, it's okay to think in broad terms. Honestly, when you write out your purpose, it's actually less fulfilling than you would think (laughs) because it is kind of broad. It's kind of general. It's Mm -hmm. almost generic because if you get too specific with your purpose itself, and that's where I differentiate PMVV is what I like to call the whole process because of your purpose, your mission, your vision, and your values. Mm -hmm. And I think differentiating between those things really matters a lot. So your purpose, um, you know, I know with, with me, my purpose has to do with loving God, loving my family, loving my community, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, you know, even if my family all dies, I still have family. I'm always going to have family. And if I have no physical blood relatives, I'll have somebody that's going to be my family. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. You know, that's, that's a purpose you can't take away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing can take that away from you. So you have to think of that as you start identifying your purpose. What is the most important thing? about you and why do you exist? And I think that if you can identify that, then you can really get into the heart of what your mission is. And we may have different missions at different times in our life. You know, at mm-hmm. some point in your life, your, your, uh, your mission may be to the best, be the best blues musician on the planet yeah. until a better blues musician comes along. And then it might be to be something different, you know, mm-hmm. like you can have a different mission and it can change over time, but your purpose never really changes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and it's almost like, you know, as you're coming of age, when you're in high school, it's to prepare to be a man. And when you go through school or whatever you do, you know, get into your early career, it's to sort of find that, you know, prepare yourself to provide for a family and to take that on or, you know, go the religious route as a Catholic. Obviously, we don't have well Latin Rite Catholic. We don't have married clergy. So you have to choose between the vocation of marriage or the vocation of the priesthood. But you're supposed to choose one of those two and pursue it. And that becomes your mission at that point. And so you're kind of always preparing for that next fuller step as well. It seems like that really opens you up. It, you know, when you didn't get into the college you want, it just seems crushing, but you then realize, Hey, it led me to this place where now I went to the right school and I met the girl that 
I was supposed to marry because of this thing that maybe, you know, I thought was my purpose at the time, but really was just, you know, a stepping stone on the way to opening it up even more. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's where kind of the other part of your question comes in too, when you talk about who do we look to, because that's where, okay, I really have some questions here. And so then you find guys in your life that you can look up to that, and, and they may be maybe older, you know, I mean, I, I, I love to say I always need old guys in my life and all the young guys are like, what are you talking about? You are old. Cause <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm almost 43. And so they think that I'm old and I'm like, no, I mean, I need like some 70 and 80 year olds in my life because yeah. you know, you need that. You need somebody yeah. in your life that can, that has been through some crap and can tell you, you know, like, Hey man. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the same time you need peers too. We, we need all of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, but, um, but you need people in your life who can tell you, Hey man, um, are you, are, is this where you're headed? You know, people you can look up to people that can challenge you, people that can, hold you accountable to your values, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that helps you shape and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, that if you can get that nice broad purpose figured out early, then your mission, your next mission, because that's the thing, you're going to have mission all the time. Your next mission makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I know that for me, I think pretty early on, I knew what my purpose was. My mom would always like every night she'd pray over me and my brothers and just pray that we grow up to be good men who love God and love our families. And I think that that was always something that struck me. It's like, okay, if I, you know, you know, one of my purposes is, (laughs) yeah. And so like, yeah, exactly. But it's like one of my purposes in life is obviously to make my parents happy. I know that that's the case. And so I knew how to do that from a very early age. And I think that that's something that stuck with me, even when probably in high school years and college years, I wasn't as focused on the things that would, you know, lead to that. Uh, I think there was always something at me kind of tugging me back because of it. And so knowing, I think the purpose from an early age, and hopefully your parents are teaching you this early on because they're the first ones. I think that for me did a great job of setting the expectation of what life should hold for me and being very good about giving direction as to how to get there, but not being overbearing either. They weren't, you know, laissez-faire parents and they weren't your helicopter parents either. They were, I think a pretty good medium and they may have their excesses at times, you know, going either way, but I think they did a pretty good job overall on that. And I think that that's one place where it really starts is you know, for men who are listening, who are parents or young men who are in their high school, college years and aren't listening to your parents. I think that's a good place to look first. If they, especially if they are someone who you would want to emulate, if you think that's a good life to live. So, uh, my children, I have one left at home. We had four kids actually on our one year wedding anniversary on the 4th of July, we had twins. Uh, and then we had, we had another one after that and then another one. So we have uh, two girls and two boys and my, uh, the, uh, the son and daughter that were the twins both got married the same year. And then one of them is, is going to have a baby now. And um, the other one probably won't be too far behind. I can imagine, but yeah. you know, it is, uh, it's honestly the joy of my life to see all of my kids trying to live up to those standards that we set for them. Mm -hmm. But, 
you know, I have to also understand and know that they're also going to have to figure it out for themselves and make their own mistakes and figure out their own way. Sometimes that's easier than other times. You know, sometimes you're like, man, what's wrong with you, kid? Why can't you just figure this out? I told you I invested so much in you. And so I'm learning, you know, how to let go and let them figure it out. And, and it's always a challenge, you know, but, um, yeah. um, but I, you know, if we look at our culture and what's going on with our culture right now, I mean, it's a mess. And when I, boy, that's, there's so much to unpack just in that statement, but <laughs> you know, people are, uh, people all the time uh, will come up to me. What are we going to do about all this stuff? You know, we've got, satan everywhere and we've got all these all this evil everywhere and all these people doing all this wrong and we do we do and it's horrible it's evil really honestly there's evil all around us and i think that we misunderstand that the solution to it is uh, there are things i'm not saying we should be passive about it right Mm -hmm. but we should have been active about it like 50 years ago <laughs> or 70 I'd say even 150 yeah 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 like we let this happen like we maybe it wasn't us but generations is how we got here generations of passivity yeah. and i probably shouldn't say something or people being hypocrites and saying one thing doing another so here we are and this is what we have we have a culture that has abandoned any sense of morality any sense of decency and i, I we can say that honestly like atheists will agree with me on that like the secular world will agree with me on that like what are we doing here you know it's falling apart and anybody that doesn't agree with that is somebody who is really just trying to convince themselves that it's good do you know what i mean yeah like they know it's messed up and they're just trying to convince themselves it's good but what people don't understand is that if you want to fix this it starts in your home it starts with your family it starts with your eyes and what you allow in your head and what you allow into your eyes and into your ears and what you allow to take up residency in your mind. And then what you allow through your pipes and door into your house and then in turn into your family's mind. Mm-hmm. And it takes guts to say, no, you know what? That cartoon that you're watching is disrespectful to its parents. Those kids on that cartoon are super disrespectful. We're turning it off because that's not how a child should behave. Like, Mm -hmm. like, that's not how, that's not, that's not how a kid should behave for their dad or their mom. And you're not going to talk to your dad or your mom that way. And you've been watching the show and you're starting to act like that. So you're not watching that show anymore. Yep. Dad, I hate you. Good. Don't watch it anymore. Yeah. You know, like, like start at home. We don't, Mm -hmm. we, we just assume that they're just going to behave themselves. And listen, I don't care how much you think you've got it under control. You don't, they're still going to find ways around it. They're still going to do the wrong thing, but you've got to start at home in developing your children to do the right thing and to know the right thing. They're going to make mistakes. You know, your teenage boy is going to find a way to access porn. Probably. You know what I mean? Definitely. Your, your daughter might as well, believe it or not. Your daughter probably will too. I think people forget that that is a struggle for girls. Mm-hmm. You know, like you might be like, well, no devices. Well, guess what? They're going to find it somewhere, somehow. Yeah. We didn't have devices when I was a kid and I found it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they, they didn't have the internet then. <laughs> like, you knew man, a friend so who knew where his dad's playboys were or something, you know, you, yeah, you know how or, to find things. Or you, or, or you knew how to turn to page 43 of the Sears catalog and look at and imagine that the girl in her bra was 
in less than a bra. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you, you, you get what you can get or you turn to channel 50 and you watch the scrambled, <laughs> <laughs> the scrambled TV feed and maybe you catch a glimpse of something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it's worse today, obviously, because yeah. it's, I think it's more graphic. It's more harmful. And it's what more accessible too, because yeah. nine-year-olds yeah. have a smartphone that doesn't have any parental controls on it half the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling you um, right now, if you've got kids at home and you are, if you have convinced yourself that they have to have these devices, then you need to pay whatever money you need to pay to get filtering. I hate that filtering costs money. Mm -hmm. um, like I get it. I get somebody invented the filter, so they have to get paid for it. Yeah. But one of the biggest challenges facing our culture today is the porn problem. And that's why I'm proud to be working with Covenant Eyes to help nip this problem in the bud. So if you struggle with porn or if you want to protect your family from this issue, Covenant Eyes can help. Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that helps you create good habits when you're using your computer or other devices that are connected to the internet. And so you can have this plan for yourself, for your whole family, and using my promo code of CONVO when you go there, C-O-N-V-O, you will get your first 30 days free. So head on over to CovenantEyes.com and use the promo code CONVO, C-O-N-V-O, to get your first 30 days free. That way you can start living a porn-free life for you and for your family. Now back to the conversation. Um, like I wish there was somebody who said, look, this is an evil upon society. I'm willing to donate to develop this. You know, that would be right. really nice, but we don't have that yet. Yep. But um, if you're looking for a good app, by the way, there's a great app called Bark that mm. monitors social media. There's another app called Covenant Eyes. Yep, I'm actually an affiliate for Covenant Eyes. Ah, great. So they oh. can look at your uh, setup and they can get it through you and, mm -hmm. you know, monitor what your family is watching and instead of viewing it like you do have to view it like you're trying to do everything you can to shut off the pipe so that it's not getting into your house you know what i mean yeah but at the same time you have to view it also as okay be realistic they're gonna look at it they're gonna have access to it so how do we deal with that from there mm -hmm. like they're not evil they're not wrong they're not horrible people they're human and they did something wrong, make sure they know they can come and talk to you about it and work through it graciously so that they can learn how to, how to overcome it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think most men and many men that may even be listening to are probably just doing it on their own anyway and just lying about it. So they're like, you know, whatever, it's just normal. It's natural. Or they're just not even willing to have the conversation <laughs> or yeah. they can like, like I know there've been times in my life when I had, have done really bad things or wrong things and like even like just shut off and convinced myself that I didn't do them mm -hmm. you know like blocked it out of my memory completely just shut it off like no that's not me it's not me it's not me anymore you know I asked God for forgiveness and it was forgiven and I moved forward but I didn't necessarily make it right didn't make amends didn't work through that process of mm -hmm. doing the right thing and so then it's still hanging out there but I don't think about it Mm -hmm. dude every time it will come back to bite you it will always come back to get you yep. always 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 you cannot uh, have you ever, you ever seen the movie the patriot you know that line at the beginning like i've always feared that my sins would come to find me they always will yeah. they always will 
hopefully they don't come at you like a hatchet, like a bloody hatchet through the woods like that, you know, in the Patriot, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. But, but no, I do agree that that's, that's one thing for me. It's like control what you can control and prepare your children to confront the world outside. There's a book that I've heard on Catholic answers talked about that. It's, it's literally made for like six, seven, eight year olds to explain to them what to do when they come across nudity, like nudity, because we have to do that now because an eight year old could probably see more naked people in an evening than the average person a hundred, 200 years ago would see in their lifetime. Yeah. And, and so you have to, I mean, that's insane that that's a possibility. And so it explains like, okay, you know, you close, I forget exactly what their acronym, but they have an acronym. It's like, you know, you close it or put it away, you know, you forget it, you know, and then you come talk to me basically is like what it is you it's and you, and it's, so it's, I forget what the book is called. Maybe if I can fi- remember it, I'll find it. I'm afraid to search for the book also without knowing the title <laughs> because you never know what you're going to come across. And when yeah. you're a child's yeah. book about porn, that'll be like, well, oh, hey, did not know that they're promoting <laughs> it this way, knowing yeah. what we have going on potentially. So yeah, you got to uh, find the right keywords first. So that, well, <laughs> and unfortunately there, you know, even specific keywords might not be helpful in that situation, but yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. It, and, 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 you know, I, that's not like the, even, even just that issue is just one issue, you know, I mean, uh, as a father, you know, and, 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 you know, we're talking about it, either, but like, there's, there's, this concept and this idea and you know i know that you you're coming from a catholic tradition i'm coming more from a, a, a evangelical tradition uh but we we've talked sometimes about this concept of generational sin i don't know if if you guys ever talk about that much but this idea that you know the sins of the father are passed down you know and um i mean i don't i don't believe that my children will be held responsible for my sin mm-hmm. you know what i mean but yeah. i do believe that they'll have to face them Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if I look back at the mistakes that I've made and I see the mistakes that my kids made, if I look back, I know that my, my dad or my mom made those same mistakes. And I know that their dad and, and mom made those same mistakes. Like I can trace stuff back. Actually, when my son turned 18, I took him on the scavenger hunt, like all over. Um, and uh, he had to kind of find stuff and dude, it was crazy. And like, <laughs> I like made it like Illuminati themed. And like, he was like trying to defeat the Illuminati. It was like so much fun and like took him to every cemetery in town and actually found my great, 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 great grandfather's grave and left a clue there. And at that grave, I actually, actually wrote like a little book for him uh, called the darkness in your blood, where I just like laid out all of the family's sins. Hmm. And I'm like, because I'm like, I want you to know this, like you're entering into manhood and these mistakes are mistakes that you are going to have to face. Mm -hmm. You have to break these chains for yourself. Mm-hmm. because because unfortunately we have had to break them and now you're it's your turn you know yeah. and if you break them then instead of falling into them then maybe your kids might not have to go through that same thing you know mm-hmm. but i don't know just something i think about a lot is you know I, I hate the idea that my kids have to have to face things like that that i've screwed up but i i think there's something to it you know mm-hmm. i do too i i mean we and i don't know if we talk about the generational idea but we do talk about temporal punishment due for sin right that there are effects to when you sin that 
affects the world in a way that, you know, puts out, I don't want to say puts out negativity. It sounds very new agey, but I can't think of a better phrase that you transgress against the natural order. And that has consequences just as if you, you know, if you did something physical, what you sell. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I could see, I mean, if in an obvious case of that is, you know, a man who is, has a kid and goes to prison for 10 years, you know, you are paying your price, but your children are paying a serious price for that. And I think that, you know, the sins that you might have that you carry as a father or a grandfather that maybe I think they, they can find a way to mess with your psyche and influence the way you treat other people. I think that that's definitely the case. I mean, I think that we're going to see, I mean, we just saw what happened, you know, this is a bit topical, but what happened uh, with that guy who went and shot up the massage parlors, you know, there's obviously something that was wrong and dissociative and his sex addiction his porn use and everything that was going on that allowed him to dissociate from the act that he was doing there and kill those people and blame them for the things that he took that he did and and so i i'm so amazed by the way when we hear these stories like that by the way how often like there becomes a cultural narrative, right? That gets shoved and pushed at everybody that we all need to accept. You know, it, it all, be, it always comes back down to this concept of so-and-so has power and that's the problem. And we need to take the power away from them. But really like the people that do those things, it's like always psychosis, like normal, healthy people, normal, healthy people don't shoot up a massage parlor. Like, like they don't like normal, healthy people don't walk into a grocery store and shoot people. Mm-hmm. like none of them do ever like they never will and these people almost always have a history of mental illness and or drug have been flagged or and something. quite often have been flagged multiple times and people don't do anything about it I, like i don't yeah, want yeah. red flag laws but i you know i don't think that you know it's not that the guns are the issue here it's the fact that we have people who are repeatedly acting violently because of some sort of mental issue and we don't do anything about that we don't force them into treatment in some way. I mean, I think that that's an obvious case where if someone's mentally sound and is harming people, we take them out of society and put them in a prison. If someone is mentally unsound and that's the cause of it, you should be able to pull them away from society and help them heal, you know, because they're not really culpable in some respect for actions as fully culpable. They are in some ways. It depends, but you know, it depends on the level of mental acuity and everything, but you do have to address that as an issue before it escalates to these more horrific events. You know, if they're killing animals or lashing out at kids in school and all these sorts of things, those are signs that there's something wrong that we should address. And we don't have to wait till they pick up a gun and run into a store or massage parlors until we address it. I I think we could have these things before then. Statistically, also, you know, the other thing I think that's lacking and, and missing that we don't talk about is um, the, the fatherhood situation in a lot of these, a lot of these, not all of them, but a mm-hmm. lot of these situations, there are dads that are either absent or disconnected or in, ill on their own, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the number of these guys that, that do the father at home or never had a father at home 
it's high. Yeah. And I, I think that's a lot of it, you know, and I'm not saying that guys that don't have a father are all going to turn out like that. What I'm saying is men be a father to your children. If yeah. something happens and you are separated from their mother, and I understand that there are a million reasons why that can happen, do whatever you have to do to be a father to that child. And you be involved and you teach that child right from wrong. And you teach that child, Hey, guess what? This is a gun. And you never point a gun at something unless you want to kill it. You know yeah. I mean? You, like that's. Even if you know it's not loaded. Yeah. You know, people don't understand that. That's how, like, that's how we learn to use firearms is from a father. Like, like I, I was like, I'm still like, I, my dad has been passed away. He's been gone for two years and I can still hear his voice in my head. Every time I pick up a loaded weapon, you know, reminding me how to handle it and what to do with it because he drilled it into me. Like, this is how you handle this because mm -hmm. this is what a man does. He makes sure that he doesn't accidentally do this or he doesn't do this the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the problem, I, I think, you know, we, we want to blame masculinity for the problems we have, but honestly, what we need is more, you know, this guy who went into the massage parlor, you know, seems to me he didn't have a, a good father figure teaching him how to properly value women. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, seems to me like a father who is showing real love and affection for uh, uh, his mother in front of him would teach him that mm -hmm. you know and you know and and yes i i know that again not everybody has a father i mean the the divorce rates are are staggering and there's a lot of people who grow up without that and so if there's boys in your neighborhood invite them into your home you know mm -hmm. and, and show them and model for them what it means to be a good man you know yep it it reminds me of the time where I forget where it was, but somewhere in Africa, they had a reserve where they had a bunch of teenage bull elephants that were just running rampant and they couldn't figure out why these things were doing it. But what they had done is they had put them in there to breed. And so they had kind of pulled them away as young ones or pulled the men out. Some, one of the two. And the only thing they had to do was just put like two or like one or two adult, like old male elephants in that reserve. And immediately those adult elephants checked their behavior and got them in line and they stopped, you know, terrorizing all the, they were just tearing down shit and just messing <laughs> stuff up. And it's like, well, yeah, like if you look at an underpass and or whatever you can see, you know, boys are boys and they're going to do vandalistic things if they're not unchecked. Because I think that it's not that we need just more masculinity in general. I do think we need that, but I think that we need to have a masculinity that is bridled and ordered towards what is right, just, and good. And we need, because yeah. right now, whatever masculinity we have is towards, you know, ambition. Like we, there's a lot that's towards the, you know, I'm going to be super successful. I see that all the time. You know, we have people, you know, the next Jeff Bezos, the next that, that is a masculine thing in a way to mm -hmm. want that, to have that ambition. But we need to have that bridled in a way that's ordered towards what is, right and what is good yeah i i that's one of the things i really like about stephen mansfield who um talks in that kind of leadership language where he's talking a lot about you know success and things like that but he also um focuses on the concept of noble masculinity and you know like as opposed to toxic masculinity and you know i i really honestly like i think that that's what we're lacking so you know, when I read a story in the news about some guy that, dude, I just read one the other day where there's a guy that, 
you know, his baby was found like fatally, almost fatally injured, you know, like here in my hometown and actually, you know, know the, the mother and my heart's breaking for this situation, you know, knowing what they're going through. And, you know, that is not masculine behavior. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he's a male, mm-hmm. but a man doesn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how many times have we heard that? Like a real man doesn't, you know, injure an infant, you know, yeah. or a real man doesn't beat a woman. Like, like, I think that, you know, masculinity by its nature has a certain degree of virtue to it or should have that. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that that's, that should be assumed about manhood and masculinity, because yeah. if it's not, then what it is is just overgrown boyhood without any, uh, without any virtue woven into it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that makes a lot of sense um and so we've kind of discussed a few of the problems with our culture but w- why do we re- i mean and we've kind of touched on this but why do we need men uh in our society in general but you know in the family all the way up why why do you think our culture needs more men and more masculine men well i think that like I said, that, that heart of it is that manhood and masculinity have virtue. They have right and wrong in them. There's leadership in them. And yes, I, I'm not saying that women can't lead, you know, I mean, I talk about this all the time, like matriarchy and patriarchy coexist. Like Mm -hmm. my wife is a leader in our home and I'm a leader in my home and we both lead. I do Mm -hmm. believe that there's you know, from a Christian perspective, I think that there's some authority, some special authority that a man has, but authority and leadership mean service, not mm-hmm. lordship. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and, and people don't get that, but, um, but we both lead and we both lead together and we lead equally. Um, does it mean that there is a, a higher degree of responsibility on me as the man? Yes. That's what people get wrong. And I think what happened is, Somewhere along the line, men started to think that it meant, well, I'm the king of my castle. No, actually, here's, here's, here's the thing that I think. I think that we, we misunderstood what that meant. I think, um, I think we're supposed to be the knights of our, <laughs> of our castle. I think we're supposed to be the priests of our castle. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what our role is. You know, we live in submission to the king, you know, to the sovereign. And then we... Um, then we lead from that position and that perspective. And I think that if we're trying to lead in a position where we're our Kings then we're leading in a position where we're entitled and that is not manly. It is not manly to be entitled. And I think that, so that has happened for generations. And now here we are, we're finally starting to understand, okay, I don't deserve this because I'm a man. You know, I, I have to lead and lead means to serve. And, mm-hmm. and when we do that, then we start to make a difference in the culture. So, mm-hmm. but, but what's happened is men have over the years set a poor example of this, you know, uh, there have been good examples and probably more good examples than bad examples. But right now the cultural narrative is that men have been bad at it. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and all the good examples are quiet examples of your dad who, you know, prayed over you at night, who taught you right from wrong, who taught you how to, you know, that guy, you know, all the dads that are like that out there, you know, are not the ones who are being held up as the, 
big leaders, your presidents, your whatever, your military leaders, all of those people. It's those small actions. I think that like you talked about, it starting in the home. We don't see those uh, as a culture. We see the rap. We see the just we see the celebrities and the celebrities are bad. The celebrities are very bad examples of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and we make a mistake when we start to follow celebrities, you know, I, it's funny cause like you and I are both working on building a brand, right. And becoming an influencer, so to speak, you know, as we're work, working on getting, you know, our name out there. And it's funny cause it's like, I fight that tooth and nail. Like, like I want to, be able to get the word out about what I'm doing and tell people what I'm doing. Like, I would love it if, if Josh Hatcher was a name that people knew represented uh, the things that I represent, you know, that'd be awesome. But mm-hmm. doggone it. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, because if you start looking at my life and if you start asking people questions, they're going to be like, Josh Hatcher. <laughs> in fact, there's a news blog in my hometown. Um, it's like, Years, years ago, I was a journalist and I actually started a news blog when I worked at a radio station. I was writing the news and I, I realized, oh, I'm going to start writing the news online and just sharing it on there. And in the process, I kind of developed a following. And over time, I just quit doing it. And then someone else from my hometown stepped in and started doing it. So, you know, it, it, it's basically and he started making money doing it. I was doing it for the fun of it. He's making money, you know, selling advertisement and, and great. Awesome. Good for him. So he recently shared one of my videos and, um, you know, he, he's awesome because he gets what I'm doing, you know? And so he shared one of my mainly had videos on his, uh, on his page and he, he turned off the comments. The comment section on his blog is the worst, you know, people will just eat each other alive. Yeah. Turned off the comments on his blog, but when it got shared on Facebook, people were commenting and it's funny because somebody went and actually blocked my account somebody I don't even know this person right so so and and you have to also understand I live in the middle of nowhere like uh, like I don't know if you can see the hills behind me but like if you look at Pennsylvania and you look like at the green part like just south of Erie mm-hmm. like like three hours from Erie it's green I'm like right in the middle of that <laughs> like there's nothing else yeah so we're, we're talking small town drama here you know so this guy that I don't know but who knows who I am and knows what I stand for blocks me and then starts leaving comments talking trash about me, you know, because because I was giving uh, advice and help uh, reg- and talking about like addiction and suicide and things like that without being a certified counselor. And how dare I minimize what I but he said something like Josh used to be a great guy, but he's really gone off the rails. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's it's funny because like I would never run for public office because you know, people around here, just people everywhere right now, like mm. they just eat you alive. They look for any chink in your armor and I've got enough chinks in my armor. You know, I've said enough stupid people to pe- to stupid things to people over the years. I could probably even say that different. I could say I've said enough stupid things to stupid people over <laughs> the years <laughs> that um, I've, I've caused damage and, yeah. you know, and I've made my own mistakes, man. And, you know, like, it, I don't think that that disqualifies me from having a voice, you know, but I do know that what it should do is it should not, if people's expectation is for me to be worshipable, like it is of celebrities, you know, like, yeah, this celebrity culture thing is a mess. 
Like we mm-hmm. have to stop elevating anybody to that level. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing in our churches too. Um, I think we see it in the Catholic church as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we see it in evangelical churches where we elevate a priest or a Pope or a pastor or whoever to some, or a worship leader to some position of respect and authority, completely forgetting that they're a human. Mm-hmm. And then when they say something stupid or they do something stupid, we're surprised. And then our faith is crushed and we walk away from it, mm-hmm. you know, as though our faith ever should depend on a man, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, and we also then create a, a toxic culture for them because like every, like I think of, um, you know, there was a celebrity pastor recently who uh, it came out that he'd had an affair yeah. uh, and everybody was all up in arms about it. And I mean, he was repentant. He's like, look, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done this, you know, and I'm pulling out of the ministry, which is the right response. Mm-hmm. But, you know, affairs don't start with an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, like that started way, way back with a thought in his mind. Mm-hmm. And that guy needed to be able to talk to somebody. But you can't. But, but you, he couldn't. Because what would happen if he said, man, I'm really struggling with some lustful thoughts in here. You know what? Like you have to, we talk about safe spaces. Like we have to create the space and the, the ability for people, including celebrities and whoever, especially within the church, I think, for people to be real with what they're struggling with, you know, so mm-hmm. that they can get the help they need while it's small before it becomes big, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it, it's a mess. I mean, we really get into celebrity culture and I start getting into conspiracy theories. We can have a lot of fun because I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get into that conversation, you know, there's really dark stuff I've been kind of observing and I watch it and I'm like, you know, when I started saying that, you know, Hollywood and, and DC, and wall street was full of you know pedophile cannibals everybody thought i was crazy but now my brother my brother everybody's like wait a minute. i'm like i just shut i'm like i can't listen to this because i don't know i i, I just can't run down this rabbit hole yeah well it, and it's definitely a rabbit hole and that is actually one of the words that they use and like i said i mean i, I try not to go too far into it because i'll get depressed and go nuts because it's like i just want to go you know beat them all up but um but I do think that there are some things happening there, right? And there are some messed up things and we just allow it. And then we still worship the people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, why is Woody Allen still making movies? <laughs> like, we all know what he did. We mm-hmm. all know it. Why? You know, I mean, yeah. any of these guys, you know, why are they still doing things they do? You know, the, what's the big guy, Weinstein? Mm-hmm. Like, how long did it take anybody to finally out the guy? You know, Jeffrey Epstein. Why? 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 You know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and again, I think the other thing we have to look out for is it's also easy for us to, in the same way that we can have that celebrity worship where we, like, idolize them and, like, only think of them, like, as heroes, we also can, like, spend too much attention on them in the wrong way too you know like dude like how much of an impact is that person ever going to have on your life yeah and this goes for politics too there's a i met this hippie at a <laughs> so i told you i lived in the middle of nowhere there's a place called the austin dam which uh was a paper mill dam 
you should look it up. It's a really cool place. Seriously. It's in Austin, Pennsylvania, which is this tiny town of about 400. It's probably less than that now, about 400 people. But uh, like back about the turn of the last century, I wasn't alive for that. Um, the, <laughs> this, this, there was like a rainstorm and this dam just like exploded. Like it just like collapsed and like all these people were killed. But so these, this giant like concrete, ruins are there and it's a really cool place and every year they would have this show this big like hippie concert there they call it the damn show which has lots of fun puns you know yeah anyway so i met this really cool crazy hippie guy there and his name is ezra cataldo and over the years um i've kind of had some really cool really cool conversations with him and i'm gonna think it was probably right before the 2016 election um you know social media was a wreck in like 2016 i don't you like 2020 was bad 2016 mm. was was just as bad i mean mm. 2020 had other things too but yeah you know 2016 i hit this breaking point where i'm like why like i'm so tired of all this i'm tired of everybody hating everybody you know and my crazy hippie friend got on there and he said hey man <laughs> I think we just need to plant our garden and raise your kids and take care of your neighbors, you know? <laughs> and this like, crazy, oh. like, like it was this crazy, simple hippie advice that actually made more sense than anything I'd heard all year. Yeah. You know, much better like, than whatever tax plan you were arguing over or, you know, foreign policy in the middle East. <laughs> There is nothing we can do about any of that. Yeah. We can vote. That's it. You mm -hmm. can choose not to shop at a company that you don't support, which I don't think we actually do enough of that. I think we actually complain and then still shop there, which I think is part of the problem we're in. But that's another story. We could talk another whole episode about some of that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we're going to complain about um, we're going to complain about the Satan shoes that Nike puts out, but we're, uh, we're still going to buy Nikes. So, mm -hmm. um, but there was just something to that simplicity of focus on your circle. Who is in your circle? Who is mm -hmm. in your life? You know, like, mm -hmm. do you have friends? Take care of them. Do you have a family? Take care of them. Do you have a garden? Take care of that. And I'm like, that was awesome. Like it, like it, yeah. You know, and, and if I want more influence, if I want to have a bigger circle, I can work to build that. You know, it just means that I have more tending to do, you know, but I have to take care of what's directly in front of me. And, you know, if I'm mm -hmm. not willing to take care of a garden the size of all of public policy in Washington, D.C., then don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I know we've been going for a while here. I want to kind of wrap up, let you get back to it. I'm sure you probably have dinner to with the family and everything to get to, but um, what, what I know you have a book out reignite. So how about you give the people a little bit of a rundown on what that is and why they should check it out? Yeah. So, you know, I talked about uh, when manlyhood was born and really it was born out of my own struggle. Mm -hmm. Um. I'll just tell you a brief story just to kind of give you a picture. I like telling stories and if it helps paint the picture, but I was freelancing. I was struggling. I was trying to make my business work. And, um, you know, I just, I kind of been on like this, this bender 
where I call it a bender, but I mean, it was like, you know, it was just work. You know, I, I would stay up all night until like, like three, four in the morning working. And then I would sleep in till 10 and then I'd get up and I'd work. And I wasn't even making any money because I just was doing such a poor job at it, you know, and uh, I, I wasn't showering. <laughs> I wasn't taking care of myself, my, any of my other responsibilities. I just, I was doing such a poor job and I'd made a mess because you, I, we all get in those holes mm-hmm. sometimes. We get in a farm for mom and my wife was like, she came upstairs and I had like a recliner next to the bed where I would work. So like I'd come downstairs and get food and go back upstairs and I'd eat it while I worked. And then if anybody said anything or did anything, I'd just yell at them because I just, they were getting in the way of me trying to do what I was trying to do. And I, I'm just like, leave me alone. I got stuff to do. And she came upstairs and she said to me, you know, I promised I'd love you and stay married to you forever, but you didn't have to make it so damn hard. And, you know, for my wife, who's now a pastor and is like super sweet Sunday school teacher at the time, like that was like, she said, damn. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. And, um, but no, but it really was a wake up call for me. And that was really kind of what started my journey of saying, I need to get my life back on track where it needs to go. I've had so many men pour into my life. I've done so many things right. And here I am in the middle of this mess. It's how, how do I pick up from where I'm at? How do I reignite my life? And, um, you know, like that's, that's the picture, you know, when you've got like a pile of wet wood and you're trying to burn it and it just won't burn. Mm -hmm. That's honestly what it felt like. And so I, I talk about in the book, I just kind of walk through that process of my life, telling stories of what it was like for me to work through that and encouraging guys to work through that. And, and take the time to say, all right, I'm done. I, I don't need to stay here anymore. It's time to, to get it together and do something new. And, you know, uh, that's really what's, what the heart of Reignite is. So it's, it's just kind of that encouragement. And I think like, even if you're like doing well, you know, if you're not like, oh, I'm really struggling right now. Like if you're like, no, I'm doing pretty well right now. It's actually helpful too, because it's, it, we're all going to get in a funk at some point, you know, and to have those tools before you get in the funk to be able to get yourself back out of the funk, I think is really helpful. Mm-hmm. So if it's something you're interested in, you can check it out uh, at my website. If you go to manlyhood.com slash reignite or right on the front page, there's a link to it in the top corner. You can see a little video to kind of get you started. So awesome. Well, thanks. And thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I hope, I mean, I definitely learned a lot and enjoyed this conversation. So I hope everyone else out there did too, but thanks for coming on, Josh. Awesome, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I know I learned a lot and I'll be going back and listening to it as well. So I definitely got a lot out of it, but I really think that what he's doing is important and I just wanted to help support him. And I'm glad that he's out there helping men of all ages really lean into their manhood and to grow in manly virtue. And so definitely check out what he's doing. Check out his book at manlyhood.com reignite. Follow him on Twitter at it's uh, at manlyhood.com spelled out the dot so d o t com all spelled out. But check him out there. Uh, links will be to in there to his book and his website and his Twitter and everything will be in the show notes. So check that out. And if you're interested and you like these sorts of conversations and you want to support the work I'm doing here at the Conversation of Our Generation, you can go to conversationofourgeneration.com/slash subscribe. 
$5 a month, you can support my work, ask, get access to premium content, my book sent to you, as well as the uh, access to the Discord community. So definitely be sure to do that or wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, podcast, wherever, leave a good rating and review. That stuff really helps. And follow me on Twitter at Con of Our Gen or on Facebook. You can find me there. Search Conversation of Our Generation to keep up with what's going on or go to my newsletter, conversationofourgeneration.com slash newsletter to keep up as well with what's going on on a weekly basis here at the Conversation of Our Generation. And so, episode of the Conversation of Our Generation, let's get the dialogue going. I'll talk to you next time.